0: Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This segment will be studying the book of Acts, where our risen Christ is made manifest in the early church. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single Sunday. that we are going to study Acts is we'll be just taking a chapter each week and, and walking through it. Um, so there is much, much more that we could touch on that we won't. But our hope is, is that as we walk through this we're seeing the the works of God manifest in the early church and we're given a, a big picture, an overarching view of the early church and we're able to apply that to ourselves. We're able to see the way in which God does work, the way he's worked in history and the way he still continues to work in the church today. So last week... We talked about essentially the spiritual baptism, uh, the promise of the coming Spirit, and maybe with some emphasis from Luke on the ascension of Christ, the Christ being raised, uh, resurrected, and in this newness of life. And this week in chapter two, we see the fulfillment of that promise, the coming of the Spirit, and and that emphasis of the spirit coming then down, this transition, Christ going up, the spirit coming down to us. And so this is what has been called the Pentecost. And that is our point of focus this morning. And so I will read for us this morning, the first 12 verses, and then we'll go uh, from there in our study. So I invite you to, to stand as we read from God's word, Acts Chapter 2 the first 12 verses And when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marvelled, saying to one another, "Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya." About Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do not hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Father, we come to you this morning, both in awe of the works you've done in history. And Lord also as recipients of the gifts you give for the purposes you have for your church in your kingdom. God we pray for gifting the way that the early church experienced gifting we pray for understanding of your word the way that they preached. And God, we pray for your kingdom to be made manifest in our day for your glory. And Lord, we pray for your return where the fullest fruit of this message, of this gospel is made known to every person on this earth. Lord, that you be with us in our study today, that we see you rightly displayed in your word. Lord, that you're glorified and that your bride is edified in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So the Pentecost has been a a special point of interest. It has given plenty for scholars to debate over. A number of different approaches and responses to to this event has occurred. And we are not going to tackle all of those different approaches or arguments. But in the text we just read, we witnessed something amazing, something that changed the course of history. And everyone who saw that event was left with this question there in verse 12, what does this all mean? My hope is that today that's the question we're beginning to approach. It's a question that really perhaps runs throughout Acts as we see God working and manifesting His kingdom in and through the church. The first thing that I want us to notice in the Spirit being poured out is this is a divine act. In this event, we should see God's hand is at work. Something that, that's happening here, no one at this event is saying to themselves, this is what it looks like when you're faithful and we, we come together, whenever we unite. This is what it looks like whenever you give enough study to God's word. Everyone here is seeing something. God is doing something in our midst. Something that could not be accomplished by any man. And I think it's it's introduced to us well. The day of Pentecost is here. The day of this fulfillment of Christ's promises to us. It's happening. Look at what He's doing. They were here. They were together naturally. And then comes something unexplainable. Something supernatural. The room is filled. Their ears are overwhelmed with the sound of of a mighty rushing wind. Something undeniable, something that overcomes the conversation. Unfortunately I didn't make it this year to the air show, but we've enjoyed what Owensboro has kind of done inviting these different flight crews and things, but I don't know if you've been around an airport or one of those air shows, but whenever they do one of those is it F-22 Raptors flies over and does one of their little sneak flyovers it overcome, There is no conversation. You can't even think in your head. And I imagine that is something like what they would have experienced. A sound of mighty rushing winds filling the entire room. There's no doubt God is at work in their midst. They're not left with a question. By the end of this, they're not left sitting here evaluating uh, their gifts or evaluating uh, what's happened. They're, they're, They're not left with any question. No one who stands there can give any sort of logical explanation as to why or why not this comes from God. It is obvious what they're seeing comes from God. It's not debatable. Sometimes we come together and we discuss the the giving of gifts and we discuss what it is God's doing and it's debatable whether or not it comes from God. And so the point I want to make is, is whenever we look and evaluate the events of Acts or of the Pentecost, and whenever we evaluate the works that are manifest in the church, there should be no doubt when something comes from God. Here is a move of God, the Spirit poured out. This changing thing, things, something supernatural, something divine. Not something superficial, or shallow, or a, or a work of man. This is all very important because in this extreme sort of event... Whenever all all of this sort of changes, it's because there's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's more than a spectacular event that's occurring. It it is the coming of the Spirit. Last week we talked about that. Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't, Don't leave Jerusalem until I send my Spirit, until God sends the Spirit upon you. They need to be equipped before they can go out. They're going to need this gifting. they They don't have what it takes to go abroad, to go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded. Without the Spirit, they're not able to. But whenever we see this profound gift of the Spirit, and I'm not talking about tongues, I'm talking about the Spirit. Whenever we see the Spirit come upon man in the church, and the people that that look upon this and aren't left with any doubt of the work of God, they doubt the men and they say, yeah, these dudes are just Galileans. They're uneducated men. What's going on here? I doubt them. There's nothing special in them. They have no doubt that God is working. And then Peter steps in to give his bold response. When he gives his response, still no one is saying anything has changed in him. The last time we heard Peter speak, he was in doubt and reaffirmed in Christ. He goes to preach, but first he begins with Scripture. He's not given anything immediately new, nothing immediately fresh. He goes to the Word of God. And in verses 17 through 21, if we continue reading through this, Peter actually is reciting Joel 2 28 through 32. And so I've included those there for you in your notes, or they're in the outline on the back of the bulletin. But here's what Joel said, what God said through Joel, the prophet Joel. Peter recites, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever, whosoever, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. He tells them in this day, you're seeing the word fulfilled. He goes on to tell them of Christ. Christ has come and and relay all these events. But we see a fulfillment of prophecy. What we witness in Pentecost is not a detached event. It's not something that, that God decides would be neat to do. It's something that he's promised for centuries That He would send His Spirit upon man to dwell in man and He with us. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. This is a big picture view that God is bringing together. The people that witnessed Pentecost didn't say, wow, that was neat. Do it again or what else will you do? They said, what has God done? What a profound thing that God would choose to come and set His Spirit upon them. It wasn't men doing something profound. They saw the tongues, the flaming tongues above, the rushing winds. They knew God was changing something in history. This is the very institution of the church. It's when the kingdom is made manifest. It's the end of the intertestamental period whenever we're trying to to discern what all is going on, what all is being accomplished in the the ministry, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What all is being instituted in this appointing and ordination of the apostles and of teachers and, 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 and prophets. Now there's no one else to relay this message to us he makes his people prophets. He says in Jeremiah, they'll, they'll no longer teach one another, for they'll all know me. They'll all know this revelation. He's giving something to us. There's no no segregation, no partiality, no priesthood. It's what the reformers call the priesthood of all believers. God's changed something in his church. He's not giving us pastors to intercede or, 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 or to teach. He's giving you the word of God. And so we see God's doing something magnificent and all of this is, is coming together. Peter preaches this message and, and he goes on from saying, look to, look to the scriptures that you know, see what it is God has promised and now behold Christ. The man who from God is sent, what all was accomplished in him, the one that you killed, and God is bringing his kingdom. There's a lot of other imagery there we could dive into, try to assess, but we already know that it's not apart from the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We're told the sun was darkened. Three hours at the crucifixion of Christ, pretty magnificent things occurred then and will still occur at his coming again. But God's doing a much bigger work. Whenever we see the Spirit come upon man, the, the, the delivery of this gift of tongues. Of this practice at Pentecost, something bigger is happening. Babylon is being undone. If we'll remember, and I want you to think big, more and more I've been impressed with what we glean viewing all of Scripture as a whole. When we see all of this whole meta narrative and all that God is doing through His people through the course of history. Remember what happened at, at Babylon. God redeems this family with, their, with Noah's children and their wives. He redeems these eight, eight people which we already spoke about. We know it's fresh on Luke's mind in Acts 1. He redeems them. He brings them out. They multiply. They experience the blessing of God. They don't all worship God. They come together and they say, what? What do they do? Let's build a tower. Let's build a tower that we can reach the heavens and become like God. They suffered the same sin, really, uh, that the people before them had suffered. And so to prevent them from such evil, God confuses their language. He confuses their language, which inhibits the building of the temple, the completion of the temple. They all split, go their separate ways into their own little tribes because they can't even understand one another. They have been dispersed throughout all the land. Really, that's not a whole lot different than what the Jews themselves had experienced. We know the Jews were brought together. We know they were brought back into the land of Israel. But we also know that they were unfaithful and they were exiled. We know Israel fell to Assyria. Judah fell to Babylon. Then there they are. They're dispersed. This is the diaspora or what we see in the dispersion. To all the Jews of the dispersion. When you read that, that's who they're talking about. It's because they are a people who have been separated. And yet we can look at this text and realize they've, not just that they've been separated and they long come back together. No, that's not the case. They've been exiled. They all live in their own parts of land, established businesses, found work, done what they had to do. They've born children. These children have been raised up not even knowing their native tongue. No one speaks Hebrew. They don't even know Hebrew. They can't read Hebrew or write Hebrew, many of them. It is why the New Testament is written in Greek and not Hebrew. Because Greek was the common language, Hebrew was nearly a dead language. They don't understand. They could come to the synagogue, and yet they don't speak Hebrew. They speak uh, whatever the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia. They speak all these (coughs) different languages because they're a foreign people in their own land. They came. We know the Passover. They came and maybe wanted to observe the Passover with their families, but they didn't speak the a common language. They all spoke different languages. They were all foreigners. And so at Pentecost, God is undoing in the church, not in the world, but in the church, he's undoing all of that. The confusion that is brought because of the sinfulness of man inhibits inhibits the full potential of man and frankly, the full potential of of the evil of man. And so people are still left scattered. But in the church. God does that. He takes all these people. Who had gathered for the Passover. And had made this travel to Jerusalem. All these foreign people. That were his. And He, in the very first move of God. Is to preach his word to them. So that every one of them hears it. That Peter can stand up and preach and every man hears in his own language. Or that they all preach and have God's word interpreted to them. This is a wonderful work of God. In these uneducated men, these Galileans preaching in every language, there is nothing now that's going to get in the way of God's word being preached. Because what, what, what do they preach? Paul says in 1 Corinthians every, every tongue spoken, every language has someone who understands it. They're preaching the Word of God. Every person who, who heard the most magnificent display of tongues in history says here, we hear them in our own language. How is this possible? They're Galileans, they're not, they're not Parthians. They're not from Egypt. They're not from my neck of the woods. How is this happening? Because God is sending His Word to His people. So we're promised this. Babylon's undone. The Jews of the dispersion, they're not limited by this language. They're not not paying for the sins of their forefathers. God is calling them to Himself in their own language. Really, this is, uh, has a lot to do with what brought along the Reformation. The people did not... Of course, Latin had become then the common language and then in the course of time become a dead language as well. Imagine coming to church and hearing the wondrous works of God spoken in a language you don't even understand. Just follow along. Spoken in Latin, not your own language. Imagine not having a Bible unless it was in Latin and you don't understand it. By God's grace, He does a similar work through men who take up the work of translation. And God does one better. He gives us the printing press. He mass produces it. Puts it in every household. No wonder the Reformation occurred. God's Word is going to go forward. Forward. He's undoing Babylon. He's making his word understood to the people. And so that's the purpose. That's what we said last week. That's the purpose of every gift of God. That is the purpose of the Spirit. It's the same purpose it was for this early church. They proclaim the wonderful works of God. They're making God known to us around every, every corner of the earth. We've got a, a wide array of ethnicities that are represented in this short text. And so again, we see God as the one He's fulfilling the Great Commission. This is why He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Something profound is going to happen. I'm going to send my spirit and you're going to take on the world. This morning, there are people all over the world. We're 2,000 years later and all over the world in however many different countries, countries where it's illegal to worship God, his gospel is being preached in that tongue, in the tongue that gets cut off for preaching his word. This is the point of the gift of the Spirit A huge point in history. The church is established. His kingdom is here. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's nothing that hinders it. Just as a quick caveat, that's an offensive term. Doesn't mean that hell's going to rain down and we're just going to sort of resist. No, the gates of hell. We are on the offense. The Christians are the one who make the attack. We've been given the sword of His Word in every language. No doubt some miraculous things will occur, but every time it goes forward, every time the miraculous occurs, it is so the Word of God is preached. If I come up up here today and preach in a way that you don't understand... You can rest assured; it is not of God. No one here this day, when the Spirit came, said, "Well, that, man, they're speaking, and it must be something." I don't know what they're saying. No, they heard the wonderful works of God in their language, every language. Amen. Now, this is something that's exclusive to the church. It's not a work of man. It's a work of God. But God did not so unite the world. He did not so say uh, all this to an end. Now, now humans are going to reach their full potential. No. No, but the church will. The church has actually said that we'll become that building. In which is a spiritual building that's built up to the heights that God will indwell it. We become, as the church, we become greater than the Tower of Babel. Because we're redeemed, we're built up in Christ. But to the world, that's not the picture we get in Scripture. There's a couple of places to see this. One is where Paul discusses tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, now I would advise you can read all of this. There's a a lot of in-depth study to be had there. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22, Paul writes in the law, it's written with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak unto this people. And yet for all that, will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are a sign, not for them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. I want to propose to you what I think becomes altogether clear in Scripture that the person who believed this day heard the wonderful works of God explained to them in their own language. To the ones that did not believe, they heard, they mocked, verse 13. And they said, these men are drunk with new wine. They did not hear the wonderful works of God in their own tongue. They heard gibberish. God speaks in the foreign language. And he he makes clear in prophecy. He gives the wonderful works of God to those that believe. So in this, we're seeing God make manifest an undoing of Babylon, a fulfillment of his promise, understanding that no language can confuse. And then to the other, they're made blind because of their unbelief. Their ears have not been opened. Their eyes not opened to hear and to see this. In the same way, the way Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians 2, And what he's drawing on here, we could go back here to Isaiah 28. It's Isaiah that says, in judgment God proclaims through his prophet, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith he may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing yet. Yet. They would not hear. Now it all makes sense. Through these tongues. Through these foreign languages. God's going to give rest to the people. God is going to to have Christ preached to all the world. Jew and Gentile alike. To where every person has the opportunity. Every person is presented this free offer of the gospel, and yet there are these that will not believe. There are these that will be led into further confusion, that will be divided, and will be confounded by the word preached. They don't hear it, they hear it and don't understand. For us today I think we need to realize the long-lasting implications of what has occurred. Many get hung up in the discussion waiting on some level of gifting and yet they don't want to preach Christ. My exhortation to you is be faithful in the small things. He'll be can make you faithful over much. This week I, I heard a story. We've been in prayer for these brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and we realize that all government efforts have now ended to pull out Americans or, or Christians that are being slaughtered. This week, I read a story of a collection of veterans, specially trained veterans, SEALs, Green Berets, a collection of, of guys that have come together privately, secretly, apart from the knowledge or direction of our government or our commander-in-chief. I don't know how in the world they've achieved this level of clearances and, and travel, but they've gone in to extract on their own efforts these, these Christians and these Americans. Now, I don't know, I don't know any details, but it can be said that these men understood the mission wasn't over. Now, regardless of the way God chooses to glorify Himself in that instance, I can assure you, Christians, the mission isn't over for the church. This sort of spiritual work. Is going to happen. And if you're a Christian, this is the gift you've been given. Not tongues, the Spirit. The Spirit, so that there is nothing that's going to get in your way to preach the wonderful works of God. Because the goal of God in giving His Spirit, the goal of God in instituting His church, which is now in this moment, is so that that happens. So that this prophecy Of servants, handmaidens even. Foreigners in the land are gonna are gonna speak in tongues not their own. They're gonna prophesy, they're going to preach the wonderful works of God. Uneducated men, Galileans even, will preach the works of God. And so what is left for us but to realize there is no such thing as a Christian who is not gifted with God's spirit for the purpose of furthering his kingdom by the preaching of this gospel. So like those few brave men, it doesn't matter if hell should rain upon us, It doesn't matter if every worldly institution abandons their efforts in us. God has equipped His church for this purpose. We are still alive and well. And death does not scare us. Very soon, I think this is going to become more and more real for the church in America. And you better have this right. I pray each one of us as Christians we cannot think that that we can go this alone. You have not been born with certain capabilities that God has given you. No, he's going to give you super naturally for anything He calls you to do. He does not call the equipped. He equips the call. And in Christ, in this moment, He's made clear that He has a new people. Not based on genetics, lineages, but on faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, and He's given them His Spirit. He's given us the sword of His Word. So whenever we come to Pentecost, whenever we have this discussion, I've said before, it really doesn't matter your take, it doesn't matter your your evaluation as you dissect a passage and, and where you're led The goal here is to preach Christ. Do that in your families. Do it in your workplace. Do it where it's dangerous. Do it where it's made illegal. Do it whenever you're prevented from gathering. Do it whenever you're despised and hated or spit upon. Do it whenever you're mocked and made fun of and called drunk. Do it whenever people praise you. With some worldly praise that is wrong. Like Paul Washer said, uh, he had received applause one time and he said, uh, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. We don't, we don't need worldly praise. Do it when the building falls empty. Whenever God tells the prophet, you're going to preach and no one's going to listen. Praise God, for the word of God was preached. To the salvation of some, to the judgment of others. That's, what the, that's all the work of God. That's not our jobs. But by all means, preach Christ. No longer let the foolish mantra preach Christ if yes, n- if necessary, use words. That's rubbish. Preach Christ. He has given us his spirit. He has given us boldness that we saw in Peter. He's given us every language known to man. He's given us anything that we might need. He's given us the prayers of the faithful to preach Christ. That's why Paul didn't heal himself. That's why he didn't heal Timothy or some of the others that were sick. They knew Christ. Healing takes place where Christ is preached. We don't need these bodies, this health or wealth, or comfort. We don't need any of it. So we thank God for every thorn, every persecution, every opportunity where we can preach Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You. We hear Your Word. Father, those of us that are here, that are alive in Your Spirit, that have accepted Jesus Christ that depend upon Him, Father, we hear You loud and clear this morning. For it's you through the Son who has commissioned us for this service. It is you who have equipped us. It's you who goes forward and you who comes behind. Father, let the one who hears understand. Father, we understand the mission is not over, nor is it idle, nor is it postponed, nor is it set back. But Father, that you would raise up a people willing to preach the wonderful works of God in places beyond, out of their comfort zone where their language is not spoken, where they are persecuted or prevented, where they are sick or in distress, where they're overcome with anxieties or exhaustion. Father, let your word be preached through us. Father, we can be a people who praise you in our blessing and praise you in our affliction. Lord, keep us from fooling ourselves into thinking this is not my calling. But Father, I pray that we come to see the church. as so much more. Lord, we, that we don't think of ourselves is desiring gifts for our own edification. But always that your kingdom might be made manifest, that someone will hear from our mouths the wonderful works you have done. And Father, I thank you. You have placed among your people, you have placed people in the pasture and in the ivory tower. You've placed them in the government and in our industries. You have placed people from your church inside our homes, Father, in foreign lands. Father, we thank you that your word goes forward in every way that you've allowed new life to reach out far beyond the possibility of our little country church. And your name is being magnified and glorified mightily in us. Father, we pray for those who have not yet heard your word preached effectually to them. They have heard but never understood. Father, we pray for ears to be open, eyes to be open. Lord, they be saved. Father, we pray that you raise up men in their households and in our community and in our nation to speak the word of God that your people would believe that those reject, they reject you would be judged. God, we ask to see your spirit on the move this way in our midst. Pray for your glory to come. For the rest of these promises to be fulfilled. Father, that we would greet you face to face at the return of our Savior. All of this we pray, we bow for the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationships, and grow in Jesus Christ. Subscribe so you don't miss a single sermon, and come and grow with us.